Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. everybody, Will Washington here. Now, before we get started here on Day After Dynamite, I know I made a promise to everybody that if Fightful Select hit 10,000 subscribers, I would show feet. And if I'm correct, I believe we're a few subscribers away from 11,000. By the time this airs, we might actually be there. So, a promise is a promise. I'm a man of my word. I will show feet. So, if you'll come with me over here. Um, so, officially... I am marked somewhere around six foot with my hair. It's a little over, almost six one. My official markings, as my kids have it, is six foot there. Um, but that's it. Uh, I am about six feet. So thank you, and let's get started. Hey friends, it's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite, the day after the dynamite. Welcome to Day After Dynamite. I am Will Washington, and I am joined by a special guest here. Folks, it's the one and only John Alba. I'm more surprised how tall your wife is. Yeah, she is uh she's five seven and about five seven. seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. She's actually fairly you might, tall. You might have some volleyball players on your hand. Uh, maybe my daughter is super short, but my son, he's on track to be probably like six, two. So I don't know, but, uh, maybe a point guard. Yeah, could be. Um, I don't know if he's a, he's a parkour kid. I had to tell him, he asked me, uh, as I was dropping him off at school today, cause he's still, and maybe it changes. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. 
Um, but his dream is to be a pro wrestler. That is his absolute goal. He has nothing else in mind. It's not like firefighter, astronaut, none of that. He says, I'm going to be a professional well, wrestler. Thankfully for him, Will, pro wrestling is full of encouraging and really wholesome people. So I hope yes. that he continues <laughs> to pursue his dreams. He is so like Swerve's coming to stay with us in October and he's just so excited because he's like, oh, I'm going to show him all my moves and I'm going to take him on the trampoline. I'm going to do all this. I'm like, OK, we'll see how that all goes. Well, that's but cool he, that, you know, Swerve. Yeah. <laughs> he asked me as I was as he was getting out of the car this morning, he goes, Dad, you told me that you need math for everything. What do you need math and wrestling for? And so I've been like mentally trying to come up with like all of the lessons in which hit math will help him be a better professional wrestler. So, uh, because that is a lesson. That's something I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, no, you need math for everything. Like this, this isn't one of those subjects that you, you may have to, that you'll forget about in a, in a time. No math is, is your thing. And he was like, but what about wrestling? Uh, no, I'll make this work. I've come up with a little bit and you guys in the chat, if you have any one, leave us a thumbs up. Um, and also make sure that uh, best way to support what we're doing here is your super chats. Um, also Humper Chats, HumperChats.com and uh, leave us those messages. The cool thing about Humper Chats is that you can leave those before uh, the show. You can leave those at any point and as long as we get to them, we'll get to them and you'll get them read. They come up on the screen. But super chats I know are a little more convenient if you're watching them on YouTube. No matter what, Day After Dynamite, we're here to read your stuff. Um, I just realized the little dad icon is gone uh, in the corner. Usually I have that like right around here and I don't have it. But I realized what I did in Photoshop. I, I must have accidentally disabled that layer, didn't I? I sure freaking did. All right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and we've got one from Ricardo already. Ricardo says, got to know math to count them wrestling monies. <laughs> Cash and creative, pal. Cash and creative. <laughs> okay. But look. I can't stall any longer. This is the first podcast I've done since last Friday. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have been getting just inundated with messages asking me for my thoughts on everything that's happened really since then. Uh, and it's incredible that it's Thursday. Somehow I went without doing a single podcast in six days and in six days if you listen to anything i talked about six days ago it sounds ancient it sounds like what planet what universe does that guy live in i actually went and pulled up uh i think the last show we did was last week's grapsity and those guys looking forward to all out don't have any clue what's in front of them so it's uh it was a great time I was in Hoffman Estates, uh, got to have, actually, I got to meet up with pretty much everybody I wanted to get to see, um, and got to go to FanFest, got to see everybody I wanted to see there, and spent most of the weekend hanging out with our mutual friend, Miss uh, Cher Delaware, and yeah, it was a good time. We got to go to All Out and see some great wrestling, and then came home. Right? Isn't that how simple things went? No, I don't know. I was I was wasted the entire time. I don't remember a single <laughs> thing. It's all good. 
That I wish that was how easy. Yeah, this I, I wish went. it was too. Hey, at least we sat next to each other in the press conference. That was cool. We did. Yeah, <laughs> we sat next to each other. So pretty much everything that happened that was playing out in front we, of we did you, together. Will <laughs> yeah, played out in front of both of us. Now you had tweeted the other day that it was hard to take in in the moment, and I agree that we were kind of witnessing history unfold right in front of us. That. Uh, you know, I sat down, I was getting all the equipment set up to live stream. I was uh, holding a microphone out, extending my arm the entire time. I had no clue what was about to unfold as right as I hit that live stream button, as CM Punk sits down to, to talk to all of us. You've likely, if you're watching this, seen the clip already. There's not really going to dissect that a whole lot, but... Uh, we are going to talk about kind of what what was going through our minds as we're sitting there, right? Uh, because holy shit, right? This was uh, like I said, like you said, it, it was history unfolding right in front of us. I'll tell you what, Will. I've and and I I hate if I sound holier than thou in saying this, and I I really don't intend to. I've covered the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the Daytona 500, all these big things. I've been very fortunate in that sense. And Punk going off on his little tangent, that wasn't out of the realm of the most crazy things I've ever seen. I've, I've seen crazier things happen in press conferences. I've, I've been targeted in press conferences by coaches and players before. So... I think for a lot of people who are in the wrestling bubble and wrestling is a bubble, right? It's a very insulated bubble for a lot of people. It stood out in particular because there have never really been as many documented cases like this in the wrestling world. This happens in sports a lot where it turned and took a historic pivot for me. And I'll never forget is, is when we were sitting there and that security guard burst through and I think we all kind of looked at each other and like, huh, that was that was strange. Followed, yeah. <laughs> followed by about maybe five or six minutes later, I t- I'll never forget turning to you and I pulled up my phone to show you a text I got that said, fists were thrown. And I was like, oh boy. That's when it became historic. Yeah, that was... Um... So yeah, because I, I didn't really think much of... It was weird like, I, that Punk I, went I, off like that, and it was unprofessional, I think many would view it as, but... Yeah, I, I can agree that. with that. Because I, I felt like, look, uh, the Punk going off like that um, was definitely unexpected. Uh, I I know that uh, it was kind of coming from me from two sides, because I had the last question. Uh, I remember Mandy says, um, all right, last question. And so I'm like, nobody asked about the match he just had, so... I suppose I'll take that one. Uh, so that was the one I took. And of course, Twitter kind of lights me up and they're like, hey, why didn't you stick on the topic of, uh, you know, he just went off on Colt Cabana. Why aren't you doing that? And I thought, because like, I'm still here covering all out. And at the end of the day, that is the thing that just took place. I am going to ask him about the match he just had. Um, and I only get one more question. So I do want to know his thoughts on working with John Moxley because I was thinking one of two things. I thought one, um, he hasn't talked about the match. And two, 
given all the thoughts he's given about everybody else, I do want to know what he has to say about working with John Moxley. Like, is it a positive relationship? Is it a negative relationship? I don't know. And it turned out, actually, that was like the one positive thing he had to say was actually working with John, Adam Cole. Adam Cole and John Moxley were the two kind of positive things he had to say about um, people that he knows in the back. And, and he talked about John Moxley being professional and all of that. But yeah, uh, you know, the funny thing is, because you and I were kind of off to the right, uh, the footage that I have is more at an angle compared to like the, the official AW footage that's in the center or Denise's footage that's like off to the left and in a little closer up. So uh, <laughs> my footage has the door in the background. And that was the thing people noticed in my footage. It's while Swerve is talking that all of a sudden you see security run through and uh that's that's the one that keeps getting shared yeah it, it was definitely pandemonium and but like just in our seats right because we're just sitting there kind of talking with each other nobody's really saying anything to like we all kind of know you know i'm texting with sean and i'm like you know what have you got and we're all just kind of going back and forth like i feel like everybody in those seats all had a little something but nobody's really saying anything out loud yet. And uh, it was just kind of like, as we all stood up, it was like, what the hell? And little did we find out till really the next day, I'd say as the night unfolded, we kind of got more and more and more. And then the next day uh, we just got more and more details. Fightful Select, of course, dropped a story um, uh, from Punk Side day before yesterday and then yesterday uh from the elite side again this is all stuff that's that's kind of out there now but yeah what what were i guess what was going through your mind as everything was just kind of unfolding and as it wrapped up again i i think that it it really took for the security guard rushing through and then there being that pause where Chris Jericho probably wasn't the person who was supposed to come in and talk to the media. And there was some stalling. And I asked a question about tampering and Jericho came in and Tony never looked so relieved in his life to, to, <laughs> to get a bail. Yes. But it was around then that I was like, okay, something's going down. And what was surprising to me was, again, I've been in so many press conferences where coaches have gone off or players have gone off, was that a PR person or even Tony himself didn't step in and put an end to it. And I understand, and I will play the devil's advocate side of things, where when you're in the moment, it is really hard to say to yourself, what should I be doing right now? It's fight or flight. And I'm sure it was pretty shocking to Tony to hear some of that stuff that was happening. And from the PR perspective, because it's this weird thing where it's pro wrestling and you know that half of the time the guys are talking, half of it's in character and the other half isn't. For all we know, this third-party PR company could have been hearing Punk say that, thinking he's in character the whole time, and they're not going to shut it down because they don't have the jurisdiction to stop someone from speaking in character, right? So right. it was this weird dynamic, but it was once a security guard stormed through, that's when I had the feeling that, okay, something more than those bad comments is what's going down here. Yeah, because um, it, it, it was kind of hard to discern. And I know that I, I may have ruffled some feathers with a tweet because I had uh, noted, because I, I was a little, you know, we were talking about the, the Swerve and Keith Lee. We were talking about stuff in character because these these media scrums are difficult, right? Um, if when dealing with pro wrestling, 
Because on one end, you have somebody like Chris Jericho who will come in and basically talk to you as if you just watched his movie premiere. Now let's talk about what went into making the movie, right? Um, but then you have others who will go in there and basically shoot an angle, right? Like that was what Swerve and Keith Lee did. Um, they came in there completely in character and booked the match for... Pretty much. Uh, like it, it ended with them leading to uh, a match be, uh, being booked for Arthur Ashe. And, you know, we've, we had um, Jay White, right, at uh, um, Forbidden Doors press scrum, where, sure enough, Jay White comes in completely in character. And anybody who wasn't wanting to deal with somebody in character, and I'm highly distracted by Sean Ross sat down at the bottom of my screen. Uh, thank you, Sean. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we had- you talk about you talk a lot about what's right, Will. Well, how about workers' rights? How about that? I'm waiting for the the chat to collectively go ooh <laughs> for that you know that huge burn that will clearly ruin our friendship. <laughs> hey, can we get this Hannah chick kicked from the chat? I don't know who that is. Can we get her? She's spamming the chat. Please, can we get her? I think she's a good person. Okay. I I don't know who she is, so. Did did I hear Disco mentioned in this in this chat? I saw somebody bringing up Disco. I, I saw no, we ain't talking about Disco. I, I hope you ain't talking about Disco. Chat, I, no, just, I just saw I saw what somebody talked about. They said him burying Fightful isn't a surprise. He said He said the dirt sheets and mark podcasters lack of relevance and knowledge and expertise came to light this week. Empty heads with empty head followers and fans. Let me tell you, if there's one thing that guy is qualified to speak about, it's not being relevant. So maybe we should listen to him. If there's one other thing he's qualified to speak about, it's being an empty-headed fuck. And maybe we should listen to him. I'm Switzerland. Okay, I'm Switzerland. (laughs) Listen, listen. If there's one thing this guy is qualified to talk about, it's... Not knowing what you're talking about. <laughs> I would jump off a building if I had as much relevance as he had right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Switzerland, not. Switzerland. How you doing, How you doing Sean? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm wearing my magic spoon shirt. It's actually pretty cool. Nice. Any Any, any news to drop our way? Yeah, yeah, I just posted a thing on Fightful Select. Um, we, we, I had mentioned on Sunday that there was going to be a top star that was supposed to take time off. Moxley confirmed that on Wednesday that it was him. Um, I, got, I got word right after that because there, there are AEW people that subscribe to Fightful Select, and they said, hey, saw your thing about the wrestler who's going to take time off, and this is right after the scrum. They're like, you're going to want to hold off on elaborating on that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like because that guy's probably gonna need to stay around uh but they were hoping he'd be back for the cincinnati show in general from what i understand but he's hanging around a little bit let, let me ask you sean how did it feel you're on the fightful post show with julie cutler who i think julie did a great job with you and i want to say that buddy let me julie tell you hours. covering my ass she did yeah. great because she, she knew when i was doing this she's like i better talk <laughs> So I love it. As you're seeing all this stuff unfold, what's going through your head as a newsbreaker and as somebody who's trying to facilitate here? 
Well, one, I was hoping that we were going to cap our post show at two hours. That was very clear that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, if people are spending money to get us to hang around, that's what we're there for. I don't care if it goes four hours, five hours. But, yeah, I'm getting this information from people who are there, who are around, and I'm trying to check with people who might still be at the venue, who might have left the venue, who might be in that room right next to where you guys are, for the love of God. Like, I'm trying to... I'm trying to say, have you guys seen anything? And then I'm like, oh, wait, a lot of these people are using their means of communication to literally stream or film this scrum. Like, so it was it was trying to find this stuff out. And then then almost immediately, I'm like, okay, there is not going to be like a Mitchell report about this. It ain't going to be like baseball and steroids. It's going to be he said, she said. So all that I can do as a guy, I don't, I don't consider, like I said, I'm not covering the war here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking about people who fake fight, real fighting. It, there's going to be a lot of he said, she said. So I was like, okay, you know what? That's what we'll boil it down to. I'll get the accounts of both sides. I'll try to find out as much of what the roster has heard as possible. But um, I had posted on my Twitter circles ahead of All Out. I was like, I've got PTSD from the MJF coverage. Like there were a lot of really, like people were really bad to me over that. And I wasn't excited to cover all out. But as this happened, I was like, this just blows all that out of the water. But what's your first reaction when you're seeing the the stuff start to flow in? Well, I knew immediately it wasn't a work because of the Colt Cabana thing. I knew immediately. There was not one moment throughout this entire thing that I knew it was a work or thought it was a work. However, I thought that maybe, I thought that, Maybe Nick asked him about Colt because Nick would absolutely do that. Why wouldn't he? Nick Nick's good at his job. He he asks those questions. Um, but I knew that when he was going off on Colt, it wasn't a work. And I know that because of all the heat associated. Now I wish it was a work. I wish that he and Colt Cabana would would make peace and do great work together because I think what they did was the two greatest pieces of wrestling podcasting I've ever heard in my entire life, and that was his his uh his rant on wwe at a time where people weren't doing that but i knew it wasn't a work because of that i knew it wasn't a work when he started to target the evps in the manner that he did and keep in mind i'm getting the i'm getting the cliff's notes of it i'm not seeing the quotes the quotes were way worse it was way worse when you actually watched it than even what people were making it out to be when they're messaging me because most of these people know that I'm on a post show and they're trying to shorten it up for me and stuff. It was way worse in context. So I knew then, and then I'm getting messages. There's a security guard that's running to the back and I'm like, uh, oh boy. So my concern is the worst. My concern is that exactly what happened happened. And And as nice as that is for clicks and subscriptions and all that stuff, 
I don't want to. He- I don't want that to be the case. Look who we got here. Look who- <laughs> the the <laughs> frame kind of works for now. Sean Ross Sapp? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did, my run-in got bumped for Sean Ross Sapp? You are not that- John Alba. <laughs> you are not. I just always happen to be working when day after dynamite is on, so I do a run-in every week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I've been running on by both at the same time. This is the first, I think, for. Day after dynamite. Hey, watch what you say there, pal. We didn't offer you consent. <laughs> Hi, John Alba. How hey, are you, buddy. John Alba? I owe you a phone call, so I'll, I'll be I'll be dropping you a phone call at some point. A the next phone call. Days. I do. I do. Oh no, that doesn't seem good. Do we do we need a Zoom meeting set up? Am I in trouble? Oh no. When Sean, when Sean calls me, I just assume I'm fired. So <laughs> can you fire me? Yet somehow you keep getting raises. <laughs> Good. Oh, I've, I've never, told. I've never gotten a raise in my life. That's a that's a shoot. You should use blue shoot. chew and the code fightful, <laughs> and maybe you'll be able to get a raise. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, so, sorry, Will. How's your day going? <laughs> I'm not staying long. I came to say hi to John Elba. I didn't know Sean Ross Sapp was here. We're we gonna sit here and pretend like I'm not increasing the viewership a little bit. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Will Washington's a draw on his own, but let's be yes, real. He put us both on this draw. screen. I know, right? I I, I think this is uh, all-time live stream. Um, day after Dynamite numbers. So look at that. Everybody drawing here. Appreciate That's you right. all. That's right. You love I'm, to see I'm it. I'm leaving. I just wanted to say hi to John Alba because I've not seen his hey, beautiful buddy. face in forever. Hey, buddy. Oh, I just I like doing run-ins doing. on this show because um, I know what <laughs> makes you're just me stealing relevant. my gimmick. I, I know what happening. makes me relevant and putting myself on screen next to Will Washington <laughs> usually does that. See you guys later. See you. Will Washington. There we go. Back in my rightful spot that Sean has taken back with the, the line between my eyes there. Will, it is good to see you as well. Oh, I see Alba's uh, little gimmick there. Emmy award-winning hair guy. Factual. Will. It's good to see you as well. I did not want to stay long because I know you guys have a lot to talk about, but Sean bumped yes. me. So you guys have a good show. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. I guess I'll talk to you later, John. All right. Know. Goodbye, Jeremy. <laughs> Bye, guys. We, we've said like three total things on the show so far. So, <laughs> Well, and hey, there go your weekly Jeremy Lambert yes. and Sean Rossap. Uh, hey, we're, we're, that was three fourths of the hunks of wrestling media. I don't know if you you heard about that. But... Yeah, what the hell? I <laughs> Why wasn't I included on this? I, what the I, hell? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be next to next to you four. I definitely should not be. You guys are tens, and I'm share Delaware. Share Delaware didn't make the list, so <laughs> if, if she did, you might have, you might have had a shot. So. <laughs> Bye. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. And hey, Caden asks, okay, but are we sure it's not a work? Caden, we're sure. Uh, And we got a Humper chat over here from um, Jennifer going back to the math topic. She says, uh, geometry for angles, degrees, and spatial awareness. That's actually what I was going to go with. I had uh, geometry all laid out. Also, I was talking about timing of matches, and I was going to lay out the math of that. Um, And then also, the ref counts one, two, three. It's very true. Um, and welcome, Mr. Alba, and great dad joke with the feet, Will. Dad joke? I don't know what you're talking about, dad jokes. I was just showing feet over here. Uh, so I think the hard part coming out of the media scrum 
it's more of a press conference now. We're not really standing around. Anymore. They're not scrums. They're there not was scrums. one scrum in like Fighter Fest, <laughs> and that was in like 2019. They've yeah. all been press conferences. They're, they're press conferences. We have seats. This is a this is a press conference. Uh, but AEW officially titles it Media Scrum. So going off of their titling and the emails they send and everything they post about them. The hard part was that the real headline coming out of the show was supposed to be the return of MJF, that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is back. He was the Joker, as many had predicted. And coming out of the show, he ended the show with a giant MJF chant. Uh, he's flipping off the fans, motioning for the title. He is officially number one contender. He can challenge at any point. I, uh, I, I saw some arguments going into all out that him being the Joker would, would be a bad call. I argued against that. And the reason being MJF is still, I guess two now he's still two and four in AEW matches this year. He's only had six matches. He's lost four of them this year. And he didn't really have any like contextual leg to stand on to challenge for the title. So I feel like the, the Joker spot was really the only way to get him there. Um, and now he is. He, he's officially there. But he was supposed to be the story coming out of things that I think Tony was even prepared to finally answer some questions about MJF. Uh, and I think he answered one. Because I think he was only asked one. Because as it turned out, the people weren't all that interested. By, bigger things happened. Yeah, bigger things were starting to happen. And yeah, uh, there wasn't a whole lot asked about Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And I felt bad about that. I felt bad because this is a guy who's been at home for 95 days, I think it was. Uh, and he definitely should have been a bigger story. But as the story is reported, there was a backstage brawl um, that took place. Uh, there's an investigation currently going on, lots of suspensions being hand handed out. Uh, pretty much everybody involved has been suspended um, as far as uh, the, what will come after those suspensions that all pin, that's all pending investigation. Uh, what we do know is Fightful Select did get two sides of the story. Um, the two sides don't really match up at all. So at that point, um, it's really mm -hmm. up to, AEW's in the third party investigation to determine uh, what went down here and who, whatever the consequences are going to be, I don't believe will be handed fully down until after uh, a, a full investigation is completed. So, um, if for anybody wondering, like, because there was a lot of talk about that last night, it was. Why? Why wasn't anything talked about? Why wasn't anything mentioned? I think it's it's way too delicate of a topic right now. There's way too many moving pieces, as you could see by the stories that have come out. There's, It's seen very differently from two different sides, and I, I don't think you can. Plus, CM Punk got legitimately hurt, and yeah. taking disciplinary action up to a firing on somebody that got hurt in your company... There's a tricky situation that comes with that too. Absolutely, yeah. There, there's, there's not a whole, there's not a whole lot. I, I, just looking at it can see can be done at this juncture, and so I fully understand why they took the stance of not being able to 
Um, this just not addressing it. Just hey, not addressing it. CM Punk was not in the Dynamite intro. The Elite were not in the Dynamite intro. You didn't see any mention of those guys, anything along those lines. TK appears on the show, um, and that was how the show opened. Right, we saw Tony Khan starts the show off and just looking straight to the camera. I could tell he was reading, by the way. Um, might want to back some things up um, because as both you and I have done teleprompter training, there are ways that you can not appear to be doing so. But uh, I'll forgive Tony Khan for not being really like a TV person. I mean, he said initially that he never wanted to be on camera. So yeah, <laughs> this was probably what his third or fourth on camera appearance, I'd say. So exactly. And then in an official speaking capacity, only like his second. So, uh, or I guess third because of Brody. Um, but yeah, so he announced that as far as they're concerned, titles are just vacated. The six man vacated or the trios, sorry, the trios title officially vacated. The world title is vacated. They announced the tournament. They gave two buys in the tournament. Chris Jericho, he got a buy for being a seven time world champion. And John Moxley got a buy for being the most recent champion, I guess. But it was a tournament of champions, right? It, it includes uh, Hangman Adam Page and uh, the former AEW world champion. It also includes Darby Allen, who is the longest reigning TNT champion. It includes Brian Danielson, who is also a former world champion. It also includes Sammy Guevara, former world champion. Or no, it's not, not former world champion, uh, three-time TNT champion. So everybody had kind of a, a leg to stand on to be in this tournament. It all made sense. Uh, what did you think of the tournament announcement? Yeah, it was clearly something that was put together last minute, obviously. <laughs> and for they kind of luck out that they have a show as big as Grand Slam as they do as soon as they do. Because, man, that Grand Slam show between the tag title match and the finals of this tournament should do some pretty good business, all things considered, in a stadium that will likely be close to sold out, if not sold out, at around 20,000 people. So... I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise because no part of this is a blessing, but they have set themselves up for what I perceive to be somewhat of a refresher on the TV program, a, a pivot, if you will. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I felt like personally, and from talking with a few individuals too, that since May, late May, AW kind of lost a little focus on character development and that, crucial part of its storytelling and guys weren't having sustained opportunities on tv to build those characters and make them hot consistently on a week-to-week -week basis i think with some of these people stepping back you have that opportunity now to heat up a darby allen to heat up a sammy to heat up a brian danielson and i think that's a good thing i, I really do and the caliber of matches that we got hangman and danielson was a pay-per-view quality match it was exceptional Oh, yeah, I was really excited to see Hangman and Danielson just announced for the show. Just all of a sudden, they announced the tournament, and they're like, hey, guess what? Hangman Danielson 3, which, uh, you know, this year has felt like a century <laughs> to the point of where... Dude, Austin coming back is like story number 15 this year. I can't believe that So Cold Steve Austin <laughs> wrestled the main event of WrestleMania this year. And that's not even like, yeah, a top 15 story that happened yeah. this year. This year has felt so monumental that as soon as they announced Danielson versus Hangman 3, I went, 
that's still one of my like top matches of the year because that happened this year. The second one was January 5th. That was something that happened on TV in 2022. And so I was really excited for that announcement. And immediately that got me thinking, okay, we're in for something on this show because uh, that's one thing that wrestling can tend to be good at, whether it's WWE or AEW. They're really the, uh, just in the last 20 years, the the main guys doing live television. Um, but when their back's been against the wall and things haven't gone their way, they tend to use that to put on the best live television possible. They really do. And I've always been fascinated that as a journalist, stories about people who in the face of adversity find ways, and sometimes it's self-imposed adversity, no doubt about that, like this, but people who do find ways in the face of adversity to find success. And I, I thought AEW did a really good job at that. And regarding the tournament itself, yeah, I'd rather, I, I saw a point out in the chat, I'd rather a guy like Powerhouse Hobbs maybe be in this tournament over a Sammy who has gotten a lot of, I mean, we saw he's had some muddled booking on TV recently. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could have used this as an opportunity to showcase some other guys as potential main eventers. But all things considered, we know that this is likely heading towards a powerhouse, no pun intended, guy like a Brian Danielson, like a John Moxley, like a Chris Jericho, one of those guys winning this whole thing. Yeah, I, so I saw that point made a couple of times, and uh, I, I just saw that in the chat. Um, and I, I guess I slightly disagree Do you? in okay. the sense that uh, I feel like this tournament – because of the fact that, like, when I look at the the bracket, I see Brian versus Moxley uh, in the main event. And so I feel like with this tournament kind of wrapping up two weeks from yesterday, that it kind of needed some of the more expendable main eventers. That I wouldn't have necessarily used this to heat anybody up or use anybody that that is in the process of being heated up. Because, like, Hobbs, for example, got a big win at the pay-per-view. Um, it was a win I thought he needed. I thought that with Starks being so hot, I think Hobbs beating him was the right call. Maybe not as quickly as he did, but I feel like Hobbs winning essentially gives uh, Hobbs some of that hotness that Starks uh, had going for him. But I feel like if you put him in a tournament that he's not going to win immediately, then you already set him up to to lose in a time where he doesn't need to. And there's a few guys that I feel don't need to be set up to lose. Where I get that. Where, where you have a number of, uh, I won't say, ex- expendable is not the word I want to use because I don't consider Chris Jericho expendable, but he is somebody who can lose, can afford to, and we move forward without doing any... Without but I also don't think Powerhouse Hobbs losing to Brian Danielson or Hangman Page hurts right. him. That's a credible loss. It is. Now, I do, I, I, as I pointed out on Twitter yesterday, uh, I was looking at the bracket, and the thing I noticed was that um, they seem to have Brian set up to, and, and he's he's my pick. I think he's winning I the agree. title. Me too. Um, and if that is the case, they set him up to essentially beat all of the former world champions and avenge all of his previous losses. The first one he did was he beat Hangman Adam Page. He goes on to face Chris Jericho, who he just lost to it all out. And then he would then go on likely to face John Moxley, the guy he lost to at Revolution. And in avenging all of his AEW losses, he becomes world champion. It's actually kind of a great story. And one of those things where, again, back against the wall wasn't planned, wasn't the the goal here. But 
But let's hear that. Let's hear that on TV. Let's hear right. him talk about how I have to go through all these guys that I lost to. Uh, let's let's hear that because that is important to get across to your audience. Now, I think after he beats Jericho, then that's kind of the time to bring that up because at that point, because like you can't really say that yet because Moxley hasn't beaten anybody yet. I think that is a point you can bring up getting to uh, the final and then essentially giving Brian like, honestly, let me think about this before I say this out loud. Yes, uh, I think that doing that in Arthur Ashe Stadium, that big of an audience with that unique of a venue, could be the second biggest win of Brian's career. And that's nuts to think about. And uh, he also is his, he was kind of, he was the headliner of last year's Grand Slam. Like that was, it all centered around him. That could ultimately be a really good thing. But before all the, any of the shenanigans happen, we had MJF coming out in Buffalo uh, to a, a rousing ovation. And I think he was smart to play off of that because I think they knew MJF returning was not going to get the, the negative reaction despite him flipping off the fans at the end. It was not going to happen. And so MJF making his way to the ring in a Bills jersey, high-fiving Taz, playing to the crowd. It was like he was in Long Island. I, I, for a moment, I'm like, is this just what we're going to do with MJF in New York? Is this just ha who he is now? But uh, we saw how that went. But before we get to that, I want to read a couple more Super Chats. Um, we just got one from Superman, Bass Fisher. Uh, so he just sent three bucks. Thank you. Either way, we appreciate the support. Uh, also got another as I apologize. I'm trying to catch up on all of these because there's quite a bit that came in in the last couple of minutes. Uh, we got Roy who says, I might be reading too much into it, but MJF's baby face uh, but was MJF's babyface act a caricature of CM Punk? The first part was uh, much a PG Punk pantomime, and the rapid heel turn and burial of AEW was a summary of the scrum. I think the heel turn you might be reading into, but I could see that for the um, absolutely. The first part. I certainly felt there was subtext there. Yeah, no questions asked. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and Orion Ben six 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 says, "Not gonna lie, I won at Kingston in the bracket." Kingston would have been one I could see, but of course the qualifier for the bracket was that all of them had had uh, previous, had held gold previously. And so it was all, it, what is, isn't it called the champions something? Something like that. I mean, Wardlow was somebody that could have been in it too. Mm -hmm. but, but again, like you got to be, be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, he's somebody essentially be setting up to lose if he's not your guy. Uh, Chris Rain says, completely agree with your tweet last night that John... Uh, tweet, with your tweet last night, John, that this was the episode AEW needed. Also, it was really great meeting you on Saturday, Will. Thank you, Chris. Um, I'm trying to remember everybody's name because I did meet a lot of people on Saturday, so I apologize if... Uh, Chris is I've... good people. Chris is one of my former patrons. He's a good dude. Ah. Well, it was great to meet you, Chris. Uh, and Cost TV just sent a $5 one. Again, always appreciate those. Kai says, MJF stable versus BCC versus JAS gang wars. And Matt says, hi, Will and John. Appreciate the hard work. Got three shows in November, uh, Baltimore, Bridgeport, and Full Gear. Hoping MJF wins in New Jersey. Uh, it's what a lot of people are, are hoping for and how a lot of people see it. 
Oh, and Jay Koss followed up with, I believe it was a missed opportunity not putting in war or yeah, not putting Wardlow. I think MJF and him have an established storyline. I think you uh, also include Stokely to help MJF win and establish some well-needed heat for MJF. I think the time with Wardlow was May, and they decided not to do it then. So you got to find a way to get him back going at the level he was before. Yeah, and it seemed like with this promo, that kind of feels like where they're going. Mm-hmm. Van Twinblade says, hey, well, Rocky Romero versus Raheem Raju for the 25th. All right. Uh, I assume that's happening at Glory Pro uh, since Van Twinblade's updates are all Glory Pro. That's not true. <laughs> they're always the St. Louis area. Uh but Graham B says, Young Bucks return to cult of personality. Terrible idea <laughs> at this stage. Yeah, like, um, especially because the Bucks just recently turned face. There's there's very little reason for them to uh, even s- attempt to scratch that because uh, I definitely wouldn't. Um, and then Sean's not here anymore, but there was a question for Sean that said, Hey, Sean, have you heard from WWE wrestlers' opinions about how uh, they – things and the show presented last night oh okay um i get what you're trying to say you're basically looking for the opinion of what took place or from wwe wrestlers um in, in which case stay tuned i guess i, I uh, believe sean did do a report about what wwe wrestlers thought about the whole incident so yes uh, as far as the incident is concerned yes. yeah there were some thoughts on that uh, and that's on fightfulselect.com um as far as uh what they thought of the show presented last night um I don't know. Suppose I could ask a few uh, and come back to you on that. Um, you and Randy yeah. Orton are aim boys, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, what was the the account name? The uh, OVW third gen. So great. Uh, as I was the game seven one one three five, but MJF made his way to the ring. He is cutting a promo. He's talking about how much he loves AEW, gets the fans going with an AEW chant, and talks about Josh Allen, and uh, really gets the crowd going. He's interrupted by John Moxley. John Moxley initially gets a few boos, uh, and but then he tells MJF he's full of crap. MJF reveals that he's been lying this whole time. He goes back into the shtick from really before the uh, Wardlow match where he talks about his favorite wrestler, the American uh, roller coaster, Cody Rhodes, and uh, his favorite wrestler of all time, Triple H, uh, talking about what's best for business. I forget how young sometimes, I forget how young MJF is that like there's videos of him in the arena as a teenager watching like the shield and i'm thinking like when he says i'm gonna to quote triple h the greatest wrestler of all time like oh yeah he's gonna throw out a quote about like uh i don't know there's only one diamond in this business or something along those lines and i'm like oh he's quoting authority triple h (laughs) I, i just i forget that he is he's certainly um young but yeah and then he leaves uh, after Mox wants to square up with him. And I thought Mox stole the show here. Mox gets on the mic and talks about what the AEW World Championship represents. Uh, and he started with the fact that it's not about the physical belt. I thought that was a great line. He mentioned, you know, you could buy one on uh, Shop AEW. 
I literally have one to my left. But uh, he instead talks about what the title means, and he talks about the uh, how it meant, you know, changing the old guard and getting rid of uh, some of the old habits of, of, of the past, and he talked about um, carrying the company through the pandemic. It was one of those speeches that reminded me so much of mm-hmm. 2002, mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin walking out on the company, and when they brought The Rock back to be that guy yep. to give the speech to basically remind the fans, hey, we're going to be okay. Because there was that sense of panic among fans of like, wait, wait, wait. we're in an age where like Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't a WWE wrestler. What the hell are we going to do? And with AEW fans, it's it's a little bit different because AEW fans are kind of constantly in this mode because the company's still so new of like, if something goes wrong, is that the end of the company? And so with so much bad news coming out between Sunday and Wednesday, something had to happen for AEW fans. They needed that kind of a pick-me-up, something they to did. Feel, feel good. And I feel like that speech was mocked. What did you think of it? Yeah, absolutely. It was everything. I mean, you talked about even at the press conference, like John Moxley just had a pretty historic run. And it kind of flew under the radar of a lot of people, but it really was one of the best runs of the modern last 10 years or so of any wrestler, period. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually taped with Eric Bischoff today. We taped Strictly Business over on Ad Free Shows. And he said the same thing, and I totally agree with him here. AW so badly needs an undertaker in the locker room in the regard of not necessarily the, uh, you know, oh, like, we're bringing the, guns, the guns in the locker right, room, yeah. not that. But he needs someone that, like, that guy's our leader, right? That's the guy that is going to will us in and out of every battle that we got. And they have a lot of guys who can be that. They have Chris Jericho. They have Brian Danielson. They have John Moxley. They have Christian, Matt Hardy, Mark Henry, Paul White. But they need someone to, in front of the camera and behind the camera, be that guy. And this felt like that moment for John Moxley to me. I fully agreed. I thought that, yeah, he just came across as the guy carrying the battle flag. And yeah, this was one of those speeches that I think everybody needed. Um, I I think fans needed it. I think fans needed this at the top of the show to feel like their show is going to be okay, that things are going to be okay. Because again, knowing going into the show and knowing that uh, the foundational pieces of the company, the elite aren't there and won't be there. Cody's long gone. Cody is long gone. And the guy who really gave AEW its breakthrough moment in CM Punk is not there. And so when you add all that up, there was a lot of anxiety among fans. I saw it a lot on social media. I saw a lot of people just wanting to know, like, you know, what's going to happen to our company that we've, that, that we've supported for so long that we felt like was this revolution. And, uh, I think Moxley gave the fans that. And by the end of the speech, anybody who was even remotely not on his side uh, was was cheering the rallying cry. And then, yeah, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and I want to make clear, I'm not saying they need the like guns in the locker room, like, <laughs> like wrestlers court. I'm not saying that. But uh, figuratively, they need a leader like how people looked at The Undertaker as the guy who was leading the WWE locker room. That's what they need. I just wanted yes. to clarify on that. Sorry. 
Yeah, no, and then the thing I like about before Monty I end is, up on Reddit, will I don't need any of that again. <laughs> and this show very much does often. I'm um, sure it does. So Moxley bringing it back around to and in order for all of this these things to happen, I need to win the world championship. Like to to bring it back around to I need to become legendary. I'm going to become a three time AEW world champion. I thought that was all really great. I also loved his. Um, you know, taking ownership for things like obviously we're not going to address CM Punk, but he still has to address the fact that he lost. He lost the world championship in the main event. He did address that as well. I just thought it was excellent stuff. I had uh, it was just a really feel good moment here, and um, that was the immediate yep. feeling of I think this is going to be a pretty good episode of Dynamite as yep. I started to look at things. And you know, we had a six man tag already booked. But that turned into a title match to crown new trios champions. My brain thought this was going to be the best friends moment. I was, listen, I love best friends, but I, I was so happy that it was Death Triangle because when I think trios in AEW, Death Triangle is the trio I think of. They, they were so, you remember their reveal when they came together back in like late 2019 or early 2020, whatever it oh, was. Oh, yeah, it was that show. Yeah. And, and, immediately everyone's like trios titles just because of the three yes. of them pairing together <laughs> so i was i was really happy because those are three legitimately three of the best wrestlers in the world all in one team so i i was thrilled and i thought the match was great and i was happy that that triangle got their moment and it's always better when you got the baby faces chasing and the best friends will chase and that will be a great yeah story. I, I guess i was just there's a piece of me that's like best friends is a day one act in AEW, um and i guess day four <laughs> because uh orange cassidy didn't officially align with best friends till the first all out uh but they i just feel like they've been a trio for so long and they've really been a group that has rescued AEW in so many different ways like very much know, they so were, they've been a, they were around through the pandemic and and so much of that so i, I thought this was going to be their moment uh but i was happy to see death triangle win it and uh, yeah, we have new trios champs. That's all of a sudden. And it was great to see this match as an example of still what the trios division can continue to be. Uh, and I say that because the elite were essentially, you know, we, we, it was always said the trios division isn't going to happen until Kenny Omega is around. And then, uh, of course, without Kenny Omega now, without that trio, how do we have a trios division? You know, the, their matches were kind of defining what we were supposed to expect in the trios division. We just saw it in the, um, the Osprey and um, Aussie open match. But this told me it's going to be fine. This told me that we're going to still see pretty much what we were seeing of the trios division, just maybe without the trio. And I think things are going to be okay. Again, it was another one of those things are going to be okay. Kind of moments. And, um, and guys, I'm not going to do like a full, full breakdown of the show because uh, obviously there was stuff to talk about in the beginning. So um, only other things to, to, to like highlight on. Um, I thought Tony Storm and uh, I want to see Tony Storm do what Moxley did, which is defend. Just, you know, your interim champion right now. Show us why you're interim champion. And I hope AEW does uh, a better job with that than they did with Thunder Rosa. And that is just put tony storm in these types of matches where she can just showcase and and beat opponents 
do what she did last night. I want to see more of that. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about, though. Swerve in our glory. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because there were a lot of calls for calling an audible. I kept seeing that term across social media uh, as far as All Out was concerned. And I guess this is where uh, I'll drop some some inside baseball here, uh, as it were. Calling an audible would imply that things didn't go according to plan at All Out. And uh, they very much did. And what I mean by that is... They got the, the re reactions that you were expecting. They got they fully got the reactions they were expecting. And maybe not as loud. I don't think, whoa, scissor me, daddy, was expected. But um, I think that... Can you believe Matt Hardy has never scissored daddy ass? I asked him. He never has. Isn't that Never? Never scissor daddy ass. All the years they've known each other. It's unbelievable. They got to get on that. Yeah. I felt like... Well, okay. So I, 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 I knew what the desired outcome was going to be, which was that uh, coming out of this, you were supposed to hate Swerve more than anybody. <laughs> that um, he had a heel turn brewing back at the early parts of the summer. And... Um, and then things went down hardy wise, actually. Um, and I, Hey, I have John Alba here. Um, it all comes full circle. Right. And that resulted in swerve in our glory, winning the tag titles, but guys, the heel turn for swerve has always still been there. That's always still been, uh, a part of things. And there's been little things dropped there where, um, you should, not like this man, uh, where he does rub his success in your face quite a bit sometimes. And this night was designed to get you to not want <laughs> to not want Swerve to win. And uh, the ending moment, as I hope you all were paying attention, that saw Billy Gunn reach to scissor the opponents as a show of uh, respect. Yeah, as a show of respect. <laughs> Keith Lee did it. Swerve did not. He walked off, and then he flipped off the camera. All of this went according to plan, to the point of where this Wednesday, brilliant buildup, by the way. Absolute brilliant buildup. You had Max Caster tweet out that, you know, with all the happenings, he tweets that he's got his pen ready. He tweets a picture of the microphone. He is getting you so excited for what he has to say about this. His music hits. The crowd loses it. He comes out super hyped. You know what he's about to do. You know he's about to lay in to everyone and every single thing. And right after he says the second listen, whose house and a, a, a chorus of booze. They are just raining down. I don't think Swerve's ever gotten that much heat. <laughs> and uh, he he called him stupid little rap jokes. He said that, uh, you guys want to hear a joke? The acclaimed as tag team champions. And you notice Keith Lee wasn't there. And then Keith Lee even tweeted that uh, you, you turn your back for one minute and d implying that Swerve went rogue here. Swerve's doing his own thing. I hope you're starting to see the vision here 
that um, I think now I don't know this part. I think the acclaimed are going to get their due, but ultimately I think they saw an opportunity to continue to get the wheels in motion on a character they were trying to get going back in the summer before things had to get halted um, in turning Swerve heel. I had tweeted earlier, I want to see this be um, a little bit of a, a Lex Luger sting type of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that would be for me. I would love to see Keith continuing to be the conscience, the, the, the moral and he's so likable, right? right? He's so <laughs> likable, so why would you turn him... Yeah, and I don't think they will, honestly. Uh, and right. They played up more of that in the the press scrum, where at the uh, at the end you had he, he was all for a rematch with the acclaimed, and Swerve was not. So. Yeah, Swerve was absolutely yeah. like, no, why do I get? Why do these guys yeah. get another mm -hmm. shot? And they were very much playing up the idea that Keith uh, is is your babyface. He's the guy you're supposed to support. Swerve is absolutely not. I don't know if I want to see the split happen immediately, though. I would like to see it go in a Sting Luger type direction where everybody on Earth is like, Keith, you cannot trust Swerve. And, but for whatever reason, Keith does, and he keeps Swerve nearby. And, uh, and if anything, it should actually be Keith who eventually goes, you know what? I'm sick of this guy's shit. Uh, he has finally like done one too many things and gone too far because I think that would get the crowd to erupt in a way yeah. that uh, would go a little bit further than like we're already stab establishing Swerve as the heel. Um, it looked good. I, I thought uh, it came off exactly the way it needed to. So yeah, the the acclaimed the the rap stuff is. I was talking with Matt about this. It's starting to get over like the two cool dance. It's starting to get over like the five second pose and think about oh, yeah. how those things elevated those two tag teams just to an entirely different level where they become undeniable and you have to run with them. And I think that's exactly what is happening with the acclaimed right now. Now, as far as the audible question goes, uh, you and I are probably going to disagree on this. We have disagreements I, on this show. I am happy I, to. I don't have so much a problem with asking about the audible. I, I think asking the wrestlers about it is weird because they're not the ones with the pen. Mm -hmm. But Tony's right there, and I do think it's a fair question to ask him. Hey, you're the Booker. In that moment, are you considering getting in someone's ear and saying, "No, let's let let's let's put the time." I think that's a fair question to ask. Oh, sure. And I I uh, I asked Tony um, personally about that actually. Mm -hmm. um, and but I saw uh, a lot of people online were like, "Why would you ask that?" And I thought yeah, it was a it's fair a, question to ask. So I, so to me, I felt like the reason because I had said that I didn't like the question being asked in the scrum, and I more so meant. Um, asking the wrestlers I, about it is odd. I felt like asking the yeah. wrestlers, and then I, I also felt like because these scrums, like I get it. Um, and I, I had a conversation with um, with Nick Hausman about this, about the idea that you know he, his feeling on things is that you know he is a um, he's a journalist, and no matter what, mm -hmm. I don't care if they're in uh, character. I ask the questions sure. of you know of this is what I do, right? And and. I see that side of it. I yeah. absolutely do. I think there's, uh, for me, I feel like um, I, it's for me kind of reading the room a little bit. And it's like, if I, if I see a guy is working in character, um, I don't necessarily feel like, like I, I'll rework the question a little bit. If I see that somebody is out there, uh, like Jay White, for example, uh, when Jay White entered the room at Forbidden Door, um, I almost panicked, right? Because I'm like, oh, he is so fully in character that like 
I'm afraid that <laughs> I'm going to get berated by a promo if I with whatever I ask. And so uh, I, I think I told this story. I haven't told you the story. But literally, um, John goes to... So I had had the I had had my hand raised for the question right before it was yeah for Tony because Tony was asking some questions by himself and I had had my hand raised and so John you know pointed at me he's like I got you next and so when Jay White enters the room and just starts going into full promo mode berating everybody <laughs> and John immediately goes all right Will you're up and I'm like nope <laughs> I said, I, I, anything I've got uh, in this in my mental list in my phones list anything I've got is not prepared for this. And so I, I let that one go, but that was one of those uh, using my discretion, right? I was like, okay, I, I know that he is in character here. Anything yeah, I would but, want, but to the know. way I look at it though, is just that me as a media member, I don't, it's not my job to play into their kayfabe. Sure. Like, and I, I see that side of it too. If you're going to do a media availability, media can't do their job successfully. If you're just trying to further your, storylines through this stuff oh i i fully get that too because yeah. the, uh, the second interview i ever did and it was one of the biggest lessons of my career was uh huh let's bring it back around to the beginning i interviewed colt cabana um i had an entire list of questions written out I was 18 years old so i was not uh as astute as i am now I didn't know how to pivot the way I do now. But back then, I had a whole list of questions written out for Colt Cabana. Sorry, I had questions written out for Scott Colton. He comes in fully in character. Doesn't break whatsoever. I asked him a question about working in WWE. This was when he was in Ring of Honor. I asked him about a Velocity match he had worked. And he says, uh, I said, it was under your real name. And he goes, well, my real name's Colt Cabana. How can that be? And heart beating so hard because i'm like oh fuck this guy is in character what do i do with this um and so it was one of my first lessons in in interviewing somebody right that i'm like what do i do with this i was 18 years old and here cole caban i gave him shit about it uh the, when i the first time i met him in person i was like when i was 18 years old you did a character interview with me and didn't warn me that that's what i was in, getting into and uh and so from then on I, i've always had this mentality of okay read what's happening here and adjust because um, regardless of what I ask, if somebody's working in character, they're likely not going to break for me here, especially when, especially if they have an angle they're leading to at the end of it. So that, that was my feeling on all of that. Um, the only other things on the show, I say this like it's small, Brian Danielson took on, uh, Hangman Adam Page, beat him uh cleanly um i still felt like they made page look like a million bucks because i know people were worried about hangman coming out of this in the first round being a former world champion i thought he looked great though and i think if brian's going about uh avenging his losses hangman is kind of the first on the list because that happened the earliest so i thought it was fine i want to tell you two things that stood out to me about the show or it's one thing in two instances and i i said this to you at the beginning here with the absence of the bucks and omega and punk it lends itself for an opportunity for some great character development and there were two really strong examples of character development on this show number one was jungle boy becoming jack perry which i thought was 
it wasn't it's the, it's been this small thing where we've slowly transitioned from jungle boy into a much more serious we're shedding luchasaurus we're shedding christian i'm pissed off i'm jack perry and i thought that was a really really strong vignette to help get that over and all props to jim ross who had the foresight years ago <laughs> to make sure that he was referring to him as jungle boy jack perry because there's there's merit to that yeah. and the other form of character development too has been with this daniel garcia stuff where he has gone from a guy who we all recognize was a great pro wrestler. I sure know that. That's for GD, sure. Yes. Into wanting to be a sports entertainer just to get attention on TV because of Chris Jericho, but slowly realizing deep down that I am a pro wrestler. And the slow burn to get to that point, I think between those two examples, that's what I want to see more out of AEW on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, uh, I agree, and I think the crowd bought into all of it. We were, of course, in Daniel Garcia's hometown. Um, He was performed to the ring by Westside Gunn. Westside Gunn noted on Twitter that he had bought the first two rows, and you could very much see that he had his... his, his, uh, (laughs) It was a little concert. Yeah, his whole little fourth (laughs) rope group bought the the first uh, two rows. Shout out Westside Gunn. We love Westside Gunn on Grapsy. We're big fans. and yeah, you know, he's always talked about wanting to get his moment that, you know, he's always front row at shows. Uh, WWE acknowledged him, I think, once uh, when he was front row at a show, and I think it was an NXT 2.0. Um, but otherwise, he's never really gotten his acknowledgement uh, for being kind of a, a, a rap star that has, uh, that, that brings wrestling so much into his music. And then on top of that, um, he is always at the shows and he's always got a presence. He's always at WrestleMania weekend. It's just, it's such a great thing to see. And so for him to finally get that acknowledgement in Buffalo felt really good. Um, and seeing Daniel Garcia get that victory in Buffalo was very good. He tapped out Wheeler Yuta. Crowd was very into it. One thing I think AEW has always done well is handled hometown guys quite well. Oh yeah. And- Two great finishes on the show, the O'Connor roll and then the finish of the Garcia match where Yuta was trying to put him in a crossface as he was locked in uh, mm-hmm. the Dragon Slayer, which I thought was sick. I-, I thought that was a really unique way to do that. Yes. And I want to wrap this with reading the rest of our Super Chats, if I may. Of course. Um, and let's see. DJ Wolfman JBZ says, MJF Mox was certainly a reference to Punk's AEW run. Um, I mean, there were a lot in there. Mac from Brooklyn says, how is AEW going to have a champions tournament but not include a certain 14-time world champ? What are we talking about there? Randy Orton? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's your boy. Give him a call. (laughs) Are you talking about Sting? uh, How many times times does Sting won a world title? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 14 sounds like a lot for Sting. I don't know, but who necessarily were we talking about? Yo, that? how uh, cool would that be if Sting was? They're just like, yep, you know. Yeah, what? I, I, I actually had that thought, but then <laughs> yeah. I thought he doesn't have any singles wins in AEW. Yeah. That uh, yeah. Ryan Ben says, uh, why bring up Audible to the wrestler involved though? So going back to that question, um, that was discussed. Uh, do we have any more? We have one more. Um, Big one here, and it's from Kells. It says, I'm a full-fledged Omega and Buck stan. Uh, they're the reason I haven't watched WWE since Okada versus Omega won. Am I wrong in thinking keeping Punk means you lose the elite to WWE? Also, what's the deal with Starks? Is AEW losing him too? Um, 
So uh, as Sean reported, I heard the exact same thing. Um, we kind of heard it within minutes um, of the match ending. Uh, as far as right after Hobbs won, I got word that both the TBS championship match and the Hobbs versus Starks match went light, that they were intended to go longer. They both had more uh, allotted time and neither match took it. Um, and so that's what I know the deal with that was. I'm not going to complain about a shorter pay-per-view. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine by me. Uh, as far as what's going on with Starks, I think the intention there, because he got a big entrance at the pay-per-view, you know, he uh, they did a big um, promo with him. If you saw the promo on uh, Road 2 this week, he he talked about he still wants his hands on Hobbs. You know, he feels like he let everybody down. I think that was the intention there was to use the, the heat that Starks has developed to lift Hobbs up a little bit. Because had Hobbs just lost here, what does Hobbs go on to do, right? But I think if he now shows that, no, I am better than Starks. Now Starks has something to fight behind from and, and eventually beat Hobbs. I think ultimately that was about putting over Hobbs and less about burying Starks, as I know a lot of people think it was. Um, elite going to WWE. I suppose if you told me last year, I would have said... 30% chance that Cody goes back to WWE, right? And now he is a WWE superstar. That man's in the opening signature. Like, that, is, he is there. I can never say never anymore. It's pro wrestling. I don't know what anything means anymore. I know that, um, I know how much the video game means to Kenny. Uh, that's a really big deal. But I don't know. I I couldn't say never to literally anything at this stage. I think it is entirely possible. I do too. Um, so uh, Triple H made a really hard push for them. A he did really hard push for them in 2018. He very and much was very them. respectful of them. And the Bucks have gone on record and said their offer was incredibly generous. Yeah. So, uh, Tom says garcia working the face turned so well uh he was wearing the buffalo flag on his trunks but the question is when is west side gonna be on grapsity uh we have very much made that offer and so whenever he wants there's a few people who we've made that offer to and they have told us well folks usually this is the point in the show where i read you the ratings but uh i don't think those they're are in yet. they are in. Are, are they they in? are yes oh i'm it... like refreshing my email <laughs> well then john gets to be the one to break them yes he, the guest has never broken those on the show please yes they they did uh i, I believe is a million and thirty nine thousand and a That's point from three last week a point three a demo it is the highest audience since march 23rd and the 18 to 49 was the best since June 1st. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, look at that. The a post show bump and of course we we knew this was going to happen. Um but the question is how does it maintain? Uh otherwise, that's all your day after dynamite for this week. I hope you all enjoyed your feet. Uh <laughs> and it came in number 2 behind Real Housewives. Uh that was the other thing I was looking for. Um, thank you, the chat, by the way, for also bringing those to my attention. I don't know why my inbox doesn't have them yet. Maybe my win inbox is just out of date. I don't know. Either way, thank you for being a part of this edition of Day After Dynamite. 
Uh, John, the floor is yours for any plugs. Dude, I got like 17 podcasts. It's cool. <laughs> uh, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy drops every single Friday, drops early access on ad-free shows every Thursday night. So tonight we got an episode. I think you'll appreciate this because it's like right in your wheelhouse. Matt and I did an episode on WWE CW. And we, we talk about a lot of those names from that era and we break down whether it was a success or a failure and it, it's a good little episode and he does have some comment on some of the stuff that happened that drops tomorrow and uh yeah strictly business with eric bischoff ddp snake pit a whole bunch of stuff over on the podcast seen and ad free shows network so i appreciate you having me man this was fun yeah thank you for being here thank you for being on day after dynamite ladies and gentlemen come back this Saturday, I will be on Grapsity with Righteous Reg and Philip Lindsay. That'll be on at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm also hosting After the Week with Denise Salcedo. That's over on Denise's channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Catch me live. That is at 1 p.m. Eastern, and that's 10 a.m. Pacific. There She's up at 10 a.m. Pacific? I know, right? That was our that was our compromise time okay. because gotcha. I'm like I have to do shows early on Sundays gotcha. so I have the rest of my day and she's like, "Well, fine, but I'm not doing 9 a.m." Uh so either way, check us out and we will see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.